We want to welcome all of our first-time visitors, if you are one of them. We also want to welcome our online audience who are uh, joining us, I know, from several states right now. So uh, we want to say welcome to each of you. For the people in this room, if you didn't see it on your way in, we have a photo booth out there that has Christmas stuff, Christmas uh, greenery, lights, and all of that kind of stuff. So we encourage you, a lot of times families only get together at Christmas or uh, Easter or, you know, things like that. So we encourage you to, to take those pictures and to have those memories and to share those. Last thing, I want to invite you, if you are going to be here in town, to join us 10 o'clock tomorrow morning where we have our normal uh, 10 o'clock uh, Sunday service. We are going to have that. Uh, so we invite you to be a part of that tomorrow morning. So Christmas Eve, we all have different stories that we could tell about Christmas Eve, whether it's something that we experienced growing up, whether it's, um, you know, you name it, you fill in the blank, and we all have uh, stories about Christmas Eve. But I want to ask you this. I want you to think for just a second, what does Christmas Eve mean to me? Does it mean updating your phone every so often to see the score of the Dallas Cowboys game? Possibly. Does it mean last-minute shopping? Just, if you think I'm talking about you, just keep looking straight ahead. Show of hands. Who here waits till the last minute to shop? Okay. All right. We're not alone. There's a lot of people who wait till the last minute, so don't feel bad. You're in good company. Does it mean family to you? Does it mean marriages? Is that what happened? Okay. A marriage happened today in this church, believe it or not. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. So Christmas Eve, what does it mean to me? Does it mean getting drug to church? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that one, especially on Christmas Eve services. Sometimes we all get dragged to, to church. But again, what does Christmas Eve mean to me? Does it mean presents? Kids, don't answer that. Does it mean family? Does it mean cooking late at night? Does it mean doing something special at midnight? Or does it mean, on the other end of the spectrum, does it mean loneliness? Does it remind us how lonely we are? Does it mean despair? The thing is, each of us have a different answer when it comes to that question. What does Christmas Eve mean to me? We all have different traditions. We all have different things that we do. For my family, when I was growing up, we would open one gift on Christmas Eve, then the rest of them on Christmas morning. That was one thing that a tradition that we had growing up. The point that I'm getting at is everybody has different ways that they celebrate Christmas Eve, which we would call the how, how people celebrate Christmas Eve. Each of us are different. But the, the point that I want to get to is why do we celebrate Christmas Eve? Why are we getting together? Why are we here at church here this evening? The easy short answer to that is we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you heard in all of the Christmas carols and the, the songs that we sang prior to this, it is talking about the birth of Christ. It is a celebration 
of his birth. We celebrate this because it is such a significant event in the history of this planet. Now, what am I talking about? Two of the gospel accounts in our Bibles recall the birth account of Jesus Christ, of this vitally important moment in history. Again, what are you talking about? Just look at how our calendar system works. It's BC, or for the younger kids, it's BCE. Used to be before Christ, now it's before common era, is that right? Okay. That was before, anything that happened before Christ was recorded that way in history. It's his birth, his life, that is that defining moment in the history of our planet. And then afterwards, it's Anno Domini, which is A.D., which I guess now is A.C.E., after Common Era. But you see, this was such a significant event in the history of our world. And this time of year is very special for the life of Christians because it celebrates the birth account, but ultimately it was his death, his burial, and his resurrection that allows us to become Christians, to be followers of his, to be truly born again. So our focus tonight is going to be, and I believe we have a graphic for this, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does that mean? God with us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verse 20. And this is Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. This is when the angel Gabriel came to Joseph. Joseph had some doubts about what was going on based on what Mary told him, and the angel appeared to him. So that's kind of to get us up to speed. Verse 20 says this, and he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is talking about Isaiah. Verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, there is a whole lot that we can talk about with that. But that was written way, way back when, in the time of Isaiah, well before Jesus was here, before the angel came and visited with Joseph. Before that, this was pre-planned way, way back when. In Isaiah chapter 7, that is the reference. Back then, they knew that a redeemer would come to this earth to deliver people. This is one of the many, many prophecies in the Old Testament talking about or leading ahead to the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I encourage you to be here tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock where we are going to get hip deep 
in this. Because this is all planned out. This birth of Christ did not happen by accident. God with us is the name Emmanuel, what it means in Hebrew. God, the creator of all, the father, he is so many things, yet he came to dwell among us. Now, why would he do this? Why would he do this? You should, most of you should know this off the top of your head, but John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's why God came to dwell among us. The term God with us carries a lot of meaning for us as Christians because it is a story about redemption. See, back in the Garden of Eden, I'm just going to do kind of a flyover of the Bible. If you're not familiar with Scripture at all, this is the very, very shortest, cliff notesiest version I can ever present. We had peace. We had in a Hebrew word, shalom, in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. We were complete as people. But sin entered the garden. That fellowship with God, our creator, was broken. Something had to bridge the gap. We can't do it because we're sinful people. We needed a redeemer, someone to bridge that gap for us. That's why Jesus is so important. And I mentioned that word shalom. If we have any Hebrew friends out there, that means peace. When you come across someone, you say shalom. That's kind of our equivalent of good morning. Really, it means peace be with you. That word shalom, we associate it with peace. But it also refers to completeness, wholeness. That's what we had in the Garden of Eden before that fellowship was broken. There was no peace anymore. Therefore, we as humans were incomplete. We were not whole at the time. What that led to, and I'm going to spare you the Old Testament, kind of reading that verse by verse here tonight, which somebody ought to say amen to that. But you can look through the Old Testament. Oh, my gosh. There is bloodshed. There is calamity. There is hurt. There are wars. There is greed. There is idolatry. There is rebellion, and there is confusion among humans. That is a result of sin, not to mention, I mean, that list could go on and on and on. The Old Testament is filled with accounts of lost people suffering in a fallen world. Same thing in the New Testament. We are sinful people by nature. We are fallen people living in a fallen world. We deserve punishment from a holy God. Again, if you're keeping score, we are unholy serving a holy God. Something has to bridge the gap. We deserve punishment because of our actions, because of our choices. We deserve that. 
no matter how good we think we are, guess what? We are not. We are up here, but in reality, we are not good. We are not good. Not to a holy and righteous God. That's why Jesus Christ is so vitally, vitally important to us in the story of redemption. See, he was perfect. We are imperfect. He had to bridge the gap between us as imperfect people, perfect sacrifice, to a perfect, holy, and righteous God. That's why we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Ultimately, it is his resurrection that we are truly made whole and made complete. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to put up from Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, and we have a slide for it. This is out of the New King James. I love how the New King James reads, but I want you to keep everything that we've talked about within the last couple minutes, I want you to keep that in mind as we read this. These are the shepherds out there doing their shepherding duty. They're minding their own beeswax. They're minding their sheep. They're out there, and suddenly a heavenly host appears. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what is that word right there? Peace. There is now peace on earth because of this child being born. Now he is further up. You can read in Luke that they announce him, Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. All three of those words were used to describe Christ. But again, my point, there is peace on earth. There is shalom peace. It's not just peace or peace, man. It's not that. It is spiritual peace. But again, that definition that I gave you, we associate it with peace only. But there is that other definition where it is wholeness or completeness. And I want you to think about that in a spiritual sense because of Christ coming to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us, we now have spiritual completeness. There is spiritual wholeness because of him. It is by his grace and love for us that he sent forth his son. We talked about that in John chapter 3. It was God in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. His mission, once again, was to bear my punishment for sin. His mission was to bear your punishment. What we deserve for our choices and our actions, we deserve there is a penalty for that. He chose that for each and every one of us. We deserve the wrath of God. Again, we are unholy. We are unclean in the presence of a holy God. It is only through the work of Jesus Christ that he took that wrath upon himself for each and every one of us. He did that for us. 
You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very, very simple. You heard the gospel here tonight. Sin entered, broke that fellowship. God requires perfection. We can never attain it, no matter how we think that we can do it. It is only through the work of Jesus Christ that we can be called worthy. Again, his work, not our own. His job, his grace was poured out in the form of Jesus Christ. Our part, our part is to simply believe. God's grace and our faith connecting, that's where salvation lies. I want the Apostle Paul to say this better than I ever could. If we can throw up Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 on the screen. Here we go. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I love verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Who, me? Yes, me. Especially me, right? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You see, salvation through Christ is not a difficult thing to do. It starts here. You believe it in your heart. You get your brain wrapped around what it is in your heart then it says you believe it there and you confess it with your mouth, then you will be saved. It is through God's grace that we are saved. It is through our faith that we are saved. And it is through the work of Jesus Christ. What we're going to do is we're going to break into communion here in just a second. You can see the four tables that we have, two at the back, two at the front. I felt like a flight attendant right there, right there, right there. But you can see, I'm going to stop with my hands. You can see the tables. We have four different areas that you can go to. Here at Freedom Fellowship, we believe in what's known as open communion. You don't have to belong to this church. You can be a visitor. You can be a family member. As long as you have placed saving faith in Jesus Christ, you, that is the only requirement. So what I'm going to ask is, before I get to that, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that when you take communion, it is a representation of the sacrifice or the work of Christ. It is a representation of that. He also tells us to do a spiritual self-inventory. What we're going to do is we're going to dismiss here in just a second. I encourage you, if you want to sit there for however long you need to pray, and to do a self-inventory, I encourage you to do that. You can go to the closest one or you can go to the one across the room. It doesn't matter. But I also want to extend this. If you have never placed saving faith in Jesus Christ, if you have never done that and you feel that tonight is something that's, I, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, you may have believed, you may have gone to church your entire life but you have never, again, following that step-by-step, step, 
believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus, I encourage you to come right here. I'll be standing right here. When we dismiss, no one's going to be looking at you, but we want to help you with that. So I encourage you to do that. At, the, at each of these tables, we are going to have four of our leaders from this church who will walk you through and help you with communion. So as the worship team comes up, I encourage you to do what the Apostle Paul says and to do a prayerful self-inventory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as believers. Father, right now, we just do what the Apostle Paul says, and that is to do an inventory, a spiritual inventory on ourselves. Father, we do this to check our heart, and we don't want to receive the elements of communion in an unworthy manner. And so, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit just uh, convict us where we need to be convicted and to show us what it is that you want us to, to focus on right now. And Lord, if there is anybody in here who has never made that decision to follow Christ, maybe they, for whatever reason, feel that they have, but really they haven't. After hearing your message tonight, if they don't feel that they have it right, that you give them the strength to come down here and let's take care of that important piece of business. Father, we thank you again that we're able to celebrate your son here this evening. Father, we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask this. Amen.